0: go hello there flash but you could call me jd and i'm callback hunter also known as just hunter and this is a hero story special episode because we have a guest the artist of jeff john's flash run the current jeff john's shazam run uh so many more great stories like final crisis rogues revenge and he's been with marvel and dc for the last 20 years scott collins scott welcome to the show welcome hey everybody thank you and, uh, Scott, I'm just uh, very grateful to have you on the show. And, uh, yeah, we're going to get uh, straight into the interview so we could uh, fit in as many questions as we can, of course. Sounds great. So um, our, we want to start with your origins. Um, so how did you uh, get start reading comics? Uh, at, like, what age did you start reading comics? Yeah,
1: like, how did you get into superheroes in general?
2: Uh, it was me running across them, uh, what would have been in the stone sort of uh, dime store or something like that. I was running through with a bunch of friends uh, early in grade school, probably first grade or something like that, and uh, ran across a magazine rack, um, and uh, there were two issues. I believe there were two consecutive issues of The Hulk uh, that caught the corner of my eye. I skidded to a halt, stopped, sat down, uh, started reading those two books uh, right there at the mag. Lost track of my friends. They found me like an hour later, wondering where I disappeared. Um, and that was it. I was lost. It was uh, two issues of uh, Herb Drimpy. Um, I was gone. Uh, the, the first issue that really caught my eye uh, was uh, him versus the Wendigo. I was already a huge monster. I had stayed up late to watched, watch Godzilla or um, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Werewolf, all that stuff. So when i saw that issue of the hulk was fighting was loud all this cool stuff was going on um i was just old
0: that was the- yeah the, those uh the monsters uh it sounds like you got a, you got a good for them that makes sense that the hulk was the one that uh started the addiction for you and uh that I, it seems like right away you were just hooked on to the comics of uh you know you spent an hour right there I, I think that's a lot of us we fall right into the uh you know it starts with like you read an issue you read an issue and then all of a sudden you're addicted and hooked
2: absolutely um i uh didn't stop there as uh, as soon as i found those i forget which ones might have been um but hulk was definitely my first uh launching into the whole thing and then i realized then it's all this costume stuff with super villains and superheroes and capes and are really crazy um but uh yeah that's that that was my start of the love of uh, the actual comic books and then it took figure out the whole myriad of stuff and follow. i think green lantern was my next big love. Mike Grell was a big hero, um, and then on to X.
0: Yeah, Gre- Grell's work is great. I love his work on uh, Green Arrow. He's definitely got a great style.
2: Oh yeah, no, and and he was awesome for us readers back in the day, for superheroes or even before definitely. he hit his big stride. Yeah, with the Green Arrow stuff. Okay. And a super nice guy to boot. Um, I met him early on. It was. Going up there and knocking on the doors at Marvel, I was sitting, uh, waiting room, uh, waiting because I had finally made one appointment with one editor. It was kindly enough to say yes. To the portfolio. Um, Grell came in the waiting room. I didn't know who he was. And, uh, he came in, uh, set up, uh, waited for his editor to come up and pick him up because we all had to wait there picked up by our editor before we were in the back office. Um, he saw I had a portfolio, so he came on over, sat down. In- himself, said, hey, I see your portfolio. Look, if I like what I see, I'll tell my editor. And sure enough, he did. He liked it enough to promote me to that editor that day. Super, super nice. I didn't get a job (laughs) that day, but uh, (laughs) still, um, it shows a lot of character to do something like that when he could have just sat there, minded his own business, and gone on about his day and not have to play with Monkey around with some kid.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty. Possibly knock him out of a job. Yeah, that's pretty inspiring to uh, really meet your hero. And that's one of those things where they say, like, never meet your heroes. But it sounds like you had a pretty great experience with somebody yeah. who you looked up to.
2: He's really great. I, most of them that I've met that have been my artistic heroes over the course of like that. Uh, at least 90% of them or so have been really, really.
0: That's, that's really cool. Yeah.
1: Next question. <laughs> when did you realize that you wanted to draw comics for a career? And so, like you, you say you started as an editor there. When did you want to become the artist behind it? Uh,
2: I was never an editor. I did work in, in office for a while. Um, the but I'm sorry, I my started of me, draw- that's all right. Um, with me drawing, it was um, as a kid. I just started drawing them naturally. Um, my mom would buy me or little sketch stuff. She saw that I would. While everybody else was watching TV, I'd sit there with it. But i be spending half my time. Uh, drawing a bunch of characters that I knew, and also, even right from the beginning, um, I really got into the idea of creating and making stories. So I would come up with character after character of stuff like that, and obviously super derivative of whatever characters I liked. You know, I made a faux plastic... um, way back then, but uh, uh, when I realized it was a career and a thing that I definitely wanted to do um, was... seventh? Somewhere in there, maybe sixth grade. Um, wow, I was in grade school, pretty early. <laughs> I had a, yeah, I had a paper route. Um, paper route. I wound up meeting college kid when I was going to give him the paper, and the uh, the monthly pay, the Sunday paper that I gave. Um, somewhere in there, I don't know what it was, I was staying in his apartment, and I must have seen something about a comic book or whatever, and then we started talking to comic books. He was a super cool guy. And he said, hey, I know this guy at the church who uh, works for comic do you want to meet him? Oh. Um, and after having a heart attack, I'm sure, of course I would. <laughs> and as it, uh, fate turned its lucky little head to um, Dennis Jensen who at that time, he won. He's somewhere. Um, he was inking the flash over in oh, wow. infantino. Um, so me and a bunch of the guys who found out who this guy was just started barraging this guy weakly visits where we would just show up on his doorstep wanting to talk to him about how to do this stuff and what he did and see his pages and oh my god
1: Oh so he's kinda of like a first we, mentor.
2: Absolutely. Um we even okay. made a little comic book club out of it that we would meet regularly and everything else. But the uh the biggest uh oh wow moment really of all of it was just the idea of seeing here's a grown man, an artist, he has a house, wife, kid, the life can have you don't have to have different normal kind of jobs you think of this is actually the job that you have and you know a regular guy whatever so i went oh my god it's really a job i could do this it's real
0: uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah so that, it, that, that's funny when we interviewed uh sense. scott labdell he mentioned that that like when he first read a comic book he's like oh my god people write these for a living i can do that <laughs> and it's like a surreal <laughs> moment of like wow this is this is happening i can i can do this for a career <laughs>
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, that was one of those things uh, like a year or two before that, um, even though I was like a huge fan of Grell's, the first guy that I put like a name to a book and realized his artistic style was uh, John Byrne. I had been getting John Byrne stuff. Iron Fist started I go, hey, I really like this book. Hey, I really like this book. And I started realizing people were behind. Um, so I went, oh, oh, hey, wait a minute. This has the same name on here. This is the guy I like. Yeah. So then I started following and realized, yeah, that it was it was people that made these books, people sometimes that you really have to pay attention to. And then it was shortly after that that uh, that I got to meet Dennis and then start my like path
1: path towards comics.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that, that's, that's cool. Um, So so you said you realized pretty early on, like sixth, seventh grade. So was the goal always like, I want to go to art school? Um, I, I read online that you went to the Kubert school for art. So was it always like, I'm going to go to the Kubert school, and then I'm going to make my way into the industry? Or was it just a lot of creator-owned, and that led you to the Qbert school?
2: Actually, there was still a thing. I was in the Midwest in a small town. Um, so a lot of that was still feeling like it was fantasy, that um, I didn't know how much of a reality that it could be. Uh, even though that I'd met Dennis, you know, he worked. And, um, even at that time, uh, Dick Giordano was one of the heads of, he had an assistant, but Pat Master. Um, she actually came by our comic club one time because Dennis had told her that he had a bunch of kids who were trying to learn and bless mm-hmm. her heart. I don't, she was moving through towns or whatever. And somewhat nearby, she still probably had to drive hours to get to us, but, um, she actually came by our club and wanted to see, you know, what the kids were doing and, you know, if we were like the next crop of people that they would be interested in that kind of stuff. Of course, we were all a bunch of uh, in- <laughs> inexperienced kids who knew still next to nothing about making the book. So it didn't turn into anything, but mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all of that was still kind of still fantasy. And somehow I tried to go to college after high school, to the art program college because there was a college. Okay. Um. But that art, the art program, was nothing that helped. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Uh. Um, in fact, I even showed various teachers I had at that time books, you and they always just scratched their heads and had no. <laughs> That's funny. So it was after a year or so of that, um, and then honestly, like being a little bit depressed with my hometown job, thinking again, this is just going to be a dream that it's never going to happen, until I ran across again, which I had. Seen those Joe Kubert ads that were on the back of the books, mm-hmm. um, advertising. So then I decided, nah eh, What the heck? I'm sure I'm terrible, and I'm sure I'll never be admitted to the school, and this will never happen, whatnot. But hey, I'll send in my portfolio and see if I can go to the school. Um, a friend and I did it at the same time and we made this little pact, saying, Okay, all right. If you get accepted and I don't, it's gonna be okay. You go ahead and do it, man. You get the dream <laughs> you And of course, we were both were accepted into the thing. Oh, nice. Accept brand new students don't have a lot the whole point is that you go there to learn <laughs> mm, yeah and that's yeah that's what i did was then go to the and then that was the next huge leg up not only in the direct lesson teaching learning how to be professional work you know all these crazy hours draw draw draw, and don't draw anymore uh, yeah but, but the Cubert school is in new jersey uh right on a straight line their highway or you can catch a, And within, what, 30 minutes or so uh, or less, you can be in Manhattan.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very close.
2: Yeah, and then just start uh, going there and going there like I did uh, again and again to make whatever I need to get in, which was the path that you had to take back in the exact day when you literally just had to keep knocking on doors and, and said yes
1: yeah and just keep saying that you're available and you can draw and yeah, yeah and and it's definitely well, become
0: such I a different game
2: at the time too that was a big deal was that you know I was still making tons of mistakes even while I was a lot of guys mm-hmm. who make it all three years are still a... sort of on the edge of being professional enough that the companies would hire them that often people that would even graduate there or other colleges they would spend time in the minor uh, working for smaller public for mm-hmm. a while until you were ready major um which is still kind of what i did in a way um my first job post uh Cubert school was actually at valiant the beginning days of valiant mm-hmm.
0: um,
2: first i worked there for a short time but it was one of those like i learned i got a couple lumps and a couple lessons and <laughs> and then yeah on from there uh, so it's still a it's still a whole process it still is today i'm still learning today
0: yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's, I think, the big thing of, I mean, obviously I'm not an artist. Uh, Hunter does a lot more drawing than I do. My drawing yeah. <laughs> stuff at stick figures. But, uh, you know, I, I think that it's something that, you know, I take in my writing is that you really need to learn from your own mistakes, and you need to keep learning, and you've never stopped learning, and that's really with anything in life. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. It's- so so he's, so he's, yeah. yeah so what was your first like real like break like obviously you said you started at uh Valiant um what what did you feel was like your first real break with the big two of like getting in there and being like okay I've kind of made it like what what was that first one for you
2: Well any of the jobs that I got from the beginning were hugely rewarding intimidating and everything after the little stint at Valiant which almost nothing I did there uh saw print mm-hmm. um, but uh, but both of the guys, uh, the main guys at Valiant Shooter and Bob Layton, uh, when they officially canned me and said not to come in to work, to me, um, they both got me uh, interviews at the other company. Uh, oh. Jim got me an interview with an editor, which did get me uh, an annual uh, for work. So that was my first printed was on this annual. Um, uh. And then uh, Bob Layton got me an interview with John Ramita. Uh, which was oh, nice. awesome, and then yeah. um, John Ramita was super nice and said, "Yeah, you know, I have an opening for Ramita Raider, which is their art correction
0: department." Mm-hmm.
2: Of um, he goes, "I think you're ready for work, but if you want this job for a while to in house and meet everybody, then great." Which is what I did. Mm-hmm. I started working with those guys every day, Monday through Friday. I take the train, and uh, then I got to meet everybody, all the editors, and everything going on that i think the first marvel job was eight page story in marvel comics present uh for terry it was a punishment oh and it was just a little one-off and that's what i did with the first couple jobs that you get were little backup stories or little test stories basically yeah
0: yeah the. Yeah, the backups are very interesting to me. I never really knew about that before we interviewed uh, Joshua Williams, and He told us he used to do Hulk backups for Marvel and some uh, Batman-Superman backups that don't really see the light of day unless they really need a fill-in, which is really cool to me. Like, I didn't realize any of that happened.
2: Oh, yeah, that was like old-school testing ground for talent that they would get in. Um, A lot of people, that's their first job, is to either just get a test script. uh, They try out these pages that, yeah, it's it's never uh, stuff that printed but just to see if you it's can work with the script you react to the script or you know, yeah your skills
1: do you end up keeping and then
2: move short stories them? And actually bigger bigger stuff
1: yeah did you end up ever keeping the
2: backups you did I still have our work from them and I think I still might have issues
1: okay that's kind of cool to keep, those yeah, I you know, I usually
2: keep some of those
1: yeah So I guess we'll go on to a bit more comic questions now. Is that okay? Sure. All right, what is the most challenging work you have done in your career as a comic book artist?
2: The most challenging, um, after getting and breaking, realized workload, that um, was either my uh, Point Three or the Pastways, the creator owned stuff I did at Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. Years um, I just talked about the, the friend of mine again one of those holy worship guys like Jack
1: and Jack Kirby
2: Carmine on Flash stuff or any of those guys from the golden and silver age mm-hmm. a lot of times but other guys too uh, the main reason is that uh, that I think they are different than the rest of the herd despite our it's just that they wound up creating all- so while we're working for Marvel flash spider from drawing most of the stuff of those books besides the, of the villain location um all designed for you mm-hmm. you don't have to figure out how what the vulture looks like i mean they may say tweak this or you know, let's see an updated version but you're still basically working with an earlier temp that gives uh, what works or you've seen a million drawings of Spider, this or that are or, you know, okay like this part of him i like that the Spider-Man from this guy over here and really great webs or whatever it is but you've been able to accumulate all of that and build your own artwork yeah
1: Whereas makes sense
2: when you're doing these creator-owned books did app or pastor really from the ground up especially adam because i was really jungle action um it's all up to you i had to design the villain from scratch a cast the characters, and not rely upon. Them. I don't have a Lois Lane to put in the story. None of these are that kind of thing. The you have main to. The main villain is supposed to look necessarily like the villain I've drawn before. I've got to try and at least attempt at making sort of fresh. Um, and doing all that stuff, figuring out the voice of that book as it went, which again, I wasn't necessarily like that sort. Of
1: replicate feeling yeah it's
2: super challenging
1: yeah because it's not like you're just drawing characters doing certain things you're designing them too so I totally understand that
0: yeah instead it would take of you basically reinventing the wheel as opposed to just uh editing and perfecting the wheel that's uh that's interesting uh view of like creator on books um and that's that's something that I mean obviously you created some characters even within d c you know I think most famously Hunter Zolomon, of course uh mm-hmm. but also, some of the other Flash rogues you and Jeff helped create. Um, what, what was like the process of like making them and like you know thinking of their designs? Was that you know you had an idea or Jeff had like a rough description? Like how how did that work for creating some of these characters?
2: Um, that was a, a mix uh, between the two of us, uh, depending on the situation. Um, Jeff had the idea for Hunter Zolomon uh, from day one. Oh wow! We started on the book. Yeah. Wow. He Told me that uh, he wants his character and it's going to be Wally's friend but then he's going to turn into a new version of a reverse flash zoom is what we decided. Um, so that one was him. Uh, the other main idea for him was the rogues. They were, although a couple of them he wanted updated like weather wizard, like that. That's why weather wizard got that newer cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there were other ones in there where once we started talking about all this stuff, I went okay. But then I looked at some of the other rogues. um, he had, weren't effective at the time. Uh, Jeff wanted to do stuff with uh, Pied Piper, and like that. well, then I, Trickster. I had the idea of it might be really fun if Trickster was actually a kid, if he was like an evil Robin. How I- yeah,
0: Axel. Yeah, that's an interesting outlook on him.
2: <laughs> and that was that was the impetus, yeah, for uh, creating Axel or what became of Axel. Not. I gave him a sketch of a kid version of Trickster, uh, which I think actually using the. Page-
0: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah it would just go back and forth of who had their idea a lot of the other one would start from jeff but trickster was one hey wait what if we did this and we wouldn't have to do exactly that and i thought in some way besides take on it, i also thought even no disrespect james jesse but i thought a kid version would be actually an adult because he had the toys and the gimmick
1: yeah it fits well yeah
0: yeah, especially with what trickster had become of like the uh, I think at that point he was already like working with the uh, federal government so he was definitely not really on his trickster uh, ways so you basically (laughs) reinvented the trickster of like okay back to his roots of I'm a guy who plays tricks on the flash and you know I'm even though the Flash is way more powerful than me, I'm able to keep up because I got these goofy guns and stuff. That's like an interesting uh, outlook on the character. Yeah,
1: and even then, a kid version of any rogue I think fits Trickster the most. Like A kid version of Heatwave might be a little more difficult because it's not as kid, more like a kid character, childlike personality like the Trickster is. So it worked a lot better with that. So I can see how that was a great idea in the end.
2: Well, thank you. I, I thought it worked. Um, and I'm totally odd, uh, awed- happy whatever, flabbergasted by the fact that show and, and elsewhere now. So yeah, I guess it was a good enough idea. It had legs and it's lasted, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. still around today.
0: Yeah. Yep. So, uh, what, what, how did you meet Jeff? Um, I mean, obviously you were working at DC for a little bit. Did you meet him pretty early on or was it like closer to when you actually ended up working on the Flash with him? Uh,
2: I guess about a year or so before Flash, um, it's just a funny bunch of like dominoes coincidences of how it worked. Um, what happened was I had just rip, uh, finished up about a year-long run, and uh, one of the main editors that uh, was a proponent of my work for a long, Mike Carlin, he would find my job or my next job, kind of. um, and uh, after a couple fill-ins of other things, tryouts or whatever or odd. Um, uh, I uh, was offered a fill-in of Stars and Stripes because the regular artists had fallen behind. And uh, especially back at this day of uh, comic books, it was a, a huge sin for the comic book to miss shipping or get behind way like um, So Mike asked me if I wanted to do an issue of Stars and Stripes. I said, sure, it sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, I still didn't meet Jeffrey. I just got Jeff's scripts. Mike was the one, Mike Carlin was the guy that I talked to about the book. I don't think I talked to Jeff directly, but shortly after starting, I finished my first and then they had offered me one, which turned into two more films. Um, but sometime around then, when I met Jeff at a San Diego and <laughs> I was already in the business a few years at that point. He was just breaking in. Um, mm-hmm. he was a fresh face kid uh, a few years younger than me. Um, yeah. excited and we met and we talked over this and wanted to explain all the different little bits he liked about how I interpreted here or there or different things how we were showing already that we were kind of almost of the same mind on a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and then the funny thing was is that during that uh, Jeff and I were putting proposals together for the I want to say we had at least one official. I forget how many or whatnot we talked about a bunch of characters including um that we both love the character way back then but i know we were planning to new hawkman and oh. this was two three years before jeff did that hawkman yeah um, and anyway uh we were talking about those other things trying to create a book for the two of us to work on a regular book for them. and then somewhere in all of that um I told him that I got offered the flash <clears throat> and here's the backward wave thing. The flash. Uh, I did a fill in issue of the flash along all those fill in doing, um, mm. the honeymoon issue, Brian Augustine was writing.
0: It. Yep. Um,
2: I did that. Didn't realize that DC was testing. Me. Then they told me after the issue was done, they loved it. And they wanted to offer me the book, the regular. Oh, wow. And I said, okay, great who's writing the book because I was pretty sure that Brian Augustine and Mark Wade had finished up you know, the run of t- uh, on the book. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they told me one guy, I believe it was Scott McCloud. Oh, okay. Um, and, but within, I don't know, a week or two of being told that um, the editor called me back and said, Oh no, Scott backed out of the project. He's busy with something, something didn't work out. Um, so now we're going to move on to this next guy. I think actually one of the next guys Jerry Ordway, they were trying to get to write uh, Oh, interesting But then within a week or so of that, uh, then Jerry backed out It didn't So somewhere in there, I don't know how many guys, it was those those two or another one or something like two or three guys through um, and then I was talking to the editor about all this I said, Well, I don't know, I'm running out of names. Scott, you got somebody you want to work with
0: Oh wow! (laughs) I said
2: you know who you should hire is Jeff because uh, in talking about all this with Jeff Jeff and I were still in regular contact um, and he had told me when I had told him Flash, he explained to me that Flash was his favorite book ever and all this kind of stuff he wished me luck so I told the editor that you should get Jeff he's a really good writer, he's really up and coming he's really smart, really gives it everything he's got and he's a huge fan of the book so, yeah, then, you know, within that week, whatever it was, they gave him, which was then a test, his Wonderland story, the first story he did.
0: Which is the first Flash story, story I ever read, by the way. That, that was the one that got <laughs> me hooked on the Flash. There
2: you go. Um, he got that. And because uh, in the first issue or two or something like that, they said, OK, yeah, these are great. He's hired. Um, and while he was finishing and working on Wonderland, that's when he and I started. Um, what was it?
0: Uh, you, Wonder- you guys did. You guys did the uh crossfire arc?
2: No. Uh that was that's later. Um we started with the Cicada story.
0: Oh, Jeff right, wanted, right, right.
2: Jeff initially wanted to go with an older uh flash villain, I think it was Ragman, Ragdoll, whatever. Yeah, from yeah. the Golden Age. Yeah. Um and he wanted to create a cult around that character, something like that, and the editor said, No, no, no. Let's come up with a new villain. Ah. Uh, uh-huh. So on. that type of story to a new villain. He came up with Cicada, and and we were off and running, and we just had a, a blast uh, pretty much from day one. As soon as he got the job, um, he was living down in L.A. At the, I was living up in Oakland, um, and he flew up to see me, and we hung up for the weekend and talked and planned. He showed me his map of Keaton. Yeah. So we, that's when he started talking about Hunter Solomon and all that stuff carrying out. Um, He immediately uh, dreamed up first year's worth or more of books that he wanted to get to and then we went back and forth on the new characters that he wanted to invent and how tar pit worked out or a bunch of the other ones. Um, yeah we just had a great time uh, but there was that funny way that it wound up actually happening it wasn't just like you know the package deal or or like most guys think because Jeff was technically working and published on the book first
0: yeah yeah I, I never realized that you had such a big uh hand into him getting on the flash i uh i know i had read before that you know he was when he did wonderland it was kind of like a little example for him and it was doing so well that they're like yeah keep going so uh that, that's interesting that it ended up playing out like that and that you know how history would have been different for both the flash and i think jeff's career if it had gone to jerry ordway or scott mcleod that, that's interesting how like the uh the what if that happened in your head
2: absolutely um and Jeff has been the best partner with all that all during the time. Whatever little part that I play there, um, he's repaid me a thousandfold, not only with his great writing a great partner stuff, uh, but then the fact that you know all this stuff has lasted all the years later, and you know he winds up getting involved with the TV show and everything else, and because of that, I'm seeing uh, little bits of checks the slash TV show or that our characters show up. All these little things or that, you know, he invites me on other things like Shazam. Uh, it's because of our past relationship. We got along so well we enjoy working together is why we're working together today.
0: Yeah, I, I love that uh, sci-fi interview you guys did for uh, the Flash 750 story where you guys really talked about like how, uh, you know, your relationship has uh, stayed so strong. And I thought that was uh, very interesting, um, you know, how... How close you guys were, you know, you don't always think about how writers and artists uh, work together and how much uh, communication goes on. But obviously Mm -hmm. a lot of communication happens to make a comic. And uh, you had mentioned in that interview that, you know, Jeff flew up to see you and you guys made the map. And I just thought that was so interesting. And I know, you know, you could see it on any run that Jeff does. He loves to plan ahead. So uh, oh, yeah. that's interesting <laughs> that he had all that planned out, really, from the beginning of what he wanted to do with Flash, and it really made an impact for you guys. I think that's you know, you guys were clearly both very passionate about the book, and it definitely showed in your writing and drawing.
1: You mentioned, yeah, you going back to before when you mentioned making the Keystone City map. What was the process of that? Did Jeff just already have it already, or did you guys kind of design Keystone together?
2: So that was again one of those things uh, that totally impressed me about Jeff. Uh, level of professionalism he came up with the map Uh, I was a general fan of the Flash I had like Wally, I had like Barry Jay and all that kind of stuff but I was not an avid Flash fan Mm
0: -hmm.
2: so he's the one who knew all about that stuff had pieced together some things I think that were like priorly in the books and then made up some other things but he came up with the map and then part of that reason of the map I think for him um, beyond then being able to still there
0: yeah yeah just on the screen
2: oh sorry something went away first um, <laughs> uh and, oh uh beyond the reasons for them for jeff because a uh, twofold uh one he wanted to be able to tell me at various times when flash would be fighting a villain that he could tell me the neighborhood uh that they might be fighting in and then that would give me the background going like, oh, right, and he wants this for that neighborhood. This is more blue-collar, a medium-income neighborhood. This is the rich neighborhood, uh, all of those kinds of things. This neighborhood is the port, we always go to ships or whatever in the distance. Okay. And um, the second reason for them was that Jeff's, one of his other big goals right from the get-go, which was immediately blood run, story was to move Wally into the city. He did not mm-hmm. want Wally in the suburbs. Um, his previous living in he wanted him down
1: sort of downtown kind of thing yep okay cool Judy, you want to ask the next one
0: yeah, so um, I, I was just wondering what's your favorite issue and story you've done, not just in Flash, uh, your career. I mean, obviously, my favorite story you guys have done is Flash Blitz, and my favorite issue is actually Flash 182. That's uh, such I just actually just reread it before we started recording because that's that good of an issue. It's one of my favorite single-issue stories of all time. It's so great. So I was wondering, uh, in your career, like, what's your favorite issue and story you've worked on? Uh,
2: there's a bunch of those. Flash stand out to that cold issue is a standout um that's one of jeff's favorite uh, mm-hmm. the grod issue that we did uh on that first issue with that uh i was the one who had pushed for grod um jeff was all into it immediately and we immediately keyed in a monster
1: i'm kind of going to back face. to the monster roots with yeah Grodd. yeah
2: um and i still haven't gotten my run on hulk so that's
1: <laughs> so <Okay>. not <waiting>, yet yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, I've done a couple of little bits here and there with the Hulk, but not like a real run. Um,
1: so, would the Hulk be like your dream ongoing or miniseries? mini-series.
2: Oh, yeah. He's he's one of those, uh, what do they call it, on my bucket list that I okay. really haven't gotten to do yet. Um, what other? Actually, uh, for Flash stuff, one of the issues that really uh, I enjoyed as a, a marker stone was the tarpit um because it just finished the blood run story arc i was uh really getting into the new style that i had created for the flash so when when i'd done the tryout issue before that the honeymoon with brian augustine i was still using standard style at that time which still included a whole lot of uh hatching line a shadow regular style. but when i started the flash um, again i talked to mike carlin about all this uh he was like the head honcho of the toilet that what do you want from me on the flash what are you looking for as a thing uh, what what are your requirements and it was just funny it's one of those out of here. you don't know that you're going to hear just give me a different scott collins flash that we haven't seen before mm-hmm. um and this open line style that i did on the flash was brand new for me i had only done it in my sketchbooks
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I went, okay, here we go. But it did take me four issues or whatever started with for me to really find out the ins and what I thought worked best and what helped the colorist, you know, hindered the colorist, make it could all work together. So the tarpit issue, starting the. Not only did I feel like I felt open line style grown and solidified to become a. But that was also the issue where I decided going, oh wait, certain Wally faces or Linda faces or this or that. Where I went, oh, my Wally, that's the one I like, and I started using those as templates for further. Mm. Now become comfortable with the. Uh, yeah. As far as other books, uh, the first issue or two of uh, Earth Midas, Heroes stuff, uh, that stuff really fun I thought it, interesting in that again with my open line style that I had at that time, even more so on the Marvel story limited thickened itself. Um, I thought it was a really neat combination telling year one Avengers story with mm-hmm. my art style so then I think even those classic stories are Wrapped up in that much history would still come fresh and feel new as I was mm-hmm. drawing in the style that you literally could not have done back in those No way in the world that they would have printed my style back then. Mm-hmm. The printing wouldn't have worked, the coloring wouldn't have worked, it would have been huge. Um, so I thought that's. And then honestly, um, just going back to the so prideful, but the Adam point the passaway stuff, the creator. Both of those were extremely difficult, super frustrating times when I wanted to quit the books, and I was frustrated really having some hard months there, facing my worst. Okay,
0: and, sure.
2: End, I'm really proud of those books.
0: Yeah, I've actually I had never even heard of these Kratom uh, books. I'm going to have to try to look for them. Uh, they're available in like, trade and stuff?
2: Uh, the Pastaways is. The Pastaways turned into a 9-issue series that finished... And then the <laughs> Adam Point 3 series was actually one of those weird deals with the comic industry and what was happening. Um, uh, I was super ha- happy and proud about the book, but then super frustrated, not only because I was a little bit hmm. for uh, the Adam series, uh, but it was so frustrating that the fifth issue of the series has actually never... Oh, really? Nope, uh, the, the sales by the third, fourth issue, were slim enough that and i don't blame the publisher at all really in all of it they were that (laughs) low uh that the publisher said look we're losing money here with the third and fourth issue continue to lose money can't publish it yeah it's It's ready i have it it just needs to be lettered um and someday i'll get it done
0: yeah that, that that's tough especially to feel like you know that's like Part of your dream and watching, you know, you you put so much into it just to see that happen. That's got to be tough. Uh, But I guess something that happens in the industry from time to time that we don't really uh, think about as much is, you know, what goes on behind the scenes and what's profitable and what's not. That that's uh, that's interesting.
2: Yeah, especially in this day and age, um, that I think I guess is that my feeling is that this is the most uh, variety. So many titles collector. Um, every month um there's just so many books out there that uh, fans can't, can't even find stuff like you being a fan of mine um has no idea of probably both of those books uh, yeah yeah i had never heard of them like before that. i haven't either <laughs> and this is what happens with stuff i mean here i did what 18 issues ultimately of blue beetle and i still have people coming up to me now at conventions going like i never knew you did blue beetle i just got that last week
0: yeah and that's that, that, like that's crazy or whatever Yeah, I I think I I think, you know, more in the modern age of like where people's names are on books where it's like, you know, I'll read anything that Jeff Johns wrote because, you know, Jeff's one of my favorite writers, my favorite writer of all time. You know, I'll I'll read anything that, you know, uh, it's become more writer oriented. And those who are, you know, pretty savvy on social media post like, hey, I, you know, I have this book out this week and I have that book out this week and you can check it out and you can find it here. So I think, you know, social media has kind of like helped that in a way where like even, you know, you could be like, hey, I have, you know, these books and um, stuff like comiXology that, you know, you could post on it uh, with no charge. And I mean, obviously, you got to pay if, uh, pay Amazon if people buy your book. But, um, you know, being able to post there and making it more universal, I think the times are changing where you can make your stuff, you know, more accessible and where you don't really have to worry about the profit margin as much for printing stuff
2: yeah there is the the possibility of doing that stuff only digitally um and i was only at the beginning of my uh social media platform, um when i started those books whereas yeah i probably have a little bit of help as i've gained more people that that i could tell them the books
0: yeah which for sure will
2: hopefully you know get the word out there but that's that the, you know, what every month through diamond Hmm. suspension um, but what is it? 300 books every week? It's just every week, insane yeah. to, for anybody to think that they're going to keep track of all that.
0: But yeah, you know, that's, a, that's a through.
1: lot. That makes sense. Um. So you're currently drawing Shazam, and I guess your most famous run at the moment will be Flash. Who is your favorite character to draw? It doesn't have to be Shazam or Flash, just in general. Who do you like to draw the most?
2: Um well i have to admit that one of the reasons that i've been on flash so long over the years now and had different runs in the book and specials and one shots and here being considered to be one of the teams on the flash so like that is that uh he's one of the easiest ones that came to me and to my draw um i did not have to fight about any of that stuff i had to find wally and that took a few months to figure out my wally like that yeah but actually drawing the flash being inventive speed panels those kind of, uh, villains to work with the rogue that
0: mm-hmm. came pretty easily that did not have to be struggled and fought with so it it, it seems try. so smooth seems like, so smooth. Smooth. like you, i I always say that you're like the uh the rogues like number one artist like you're the definitive captain cold artist and you're the like when i think of captain cold i think of scott collins like beat up bloody lenny like that's you know just what pops into my mind
2: yeah yeah thanks uh len is, is super great and i have really uh, somehow connected really well with him. A lot of that I should go to the fact also that it comes from Jeff Johns's version of uh, of Lenny. Starr, that um, once he described him to, he started ha- having how he acted like that. That to me was a world away from whatever little bit I had seen previously about Campbell or any of those rogue villains before that. In fact, I mean again, that was one of the things from the start that Jeff talked about was. Uh, We both agreed wholeheartedly that uh, one of the keys to success for any of these heroes that are out there, when you look at the most successful ones out there, like Batman or Spider-Man, one of the reasons they're so successful is because of their villain role.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, their famous rogue gallery.
2: Absolutely. But that can easily be pointed out why certain heroes may have had a harder, say a hawk or um, somebody else like that. There are fewer people that know of his rogues gallery that specific content of character. Mm. That's um, a good point. Whereas with Spider-Man, everybody knows it. Everybody knows mm. Green Goblin. And in yeah. Flash, he has this regular list. The trick with the Flash stuff that I love Jeff about when we wrote this is that previous to our time, um, at least five, ten, a uh, long. I think more than the attitude from the previous writers had been that. The rogues were never taken quite so seriously
0: definitely definitely uh, i think I, I think even in uh flash 182 since i just reread it um you guys mentioned that like uh like captain cold says like oh yeah i went straight for a while i was a bounty hunter me and my sister but that was stupid why would i ever do that uh now you know i'm, I'm a rogue at heart and uh you know he like kind of accepted the history of the rogues of like what happened with Chillbane and all that and then built that into where the characters are now and what led to them being the tougher rogues and being the more intimidating rogues and the rogues that could keep up with the Flash.
2: Yeah, again, I, you know, uh, a lot of what we're doing here, I consider when we're making uh, comic books, is really pulling off a of magic. We have to do something that entertains you. you have to make you believe or close to believe, whatever, enjoy um, this fantasy land that we're putting together. So it's all about, you know, how the trick is up the sleeve how you reveal this trick out of a hack here and there and how we entertain the audience while we're setting up something else in the background you know all the things that we do basically on stage is what we're doing in a comic book mm-hmm. and it can be so frustrating um, other people don't treat it that same fashion and i think it often just shows how those other books don't win at the same time that we had just done this rogues just you now, uh given weather wizard is new at that time with the stripes mm. um, um, within three months or six months or something like that while I was getting the other deep set that I don't remember who all did this book right, but don't want to out them. Yeah. But they did an issue with our new weather wizard with his new costume and everything. And they did it in a super, but I was mm. floored and outraged and I, Jeff and I were, On the phone afterward, while I um, because in that issue, they just again made Weather Wizard a joke how he was no comparison next to Superman. Oh, well, Superman just had to flick his finger, and Mm -hmm. so silly to think that Weather Wizard him and all. Sure, when you look at the reality of those situations, you're not telling a story, you could just sit there and go, Okay, right, his stats don't add up to his stat, win for all of that. Stories. And yeah, if that's if not you the live point. The characters, I think you're just really not pulling off this stage show that I'm talking about or how I think mm-hmm. put together. Jeff and I agree on uh, So it's just one of those things where you have to put this in the right light. If you're going to have a joke character you make fun of, then it has to be that con- conscious decision going, okay, this character's going to look foolish and serve a purpose. Otherwise, all that to me would do is to show your fans out there going, like, well, yeah, this character's a joke. Why would I bother reading this book?
0: Mm-hmm. So, so building off of that, I mean, obviously, uh, Hunter Solomon returned, right? That's you know somebody that you guys created and it created him in definitely a certain light. He returns and uh, recently, and I think you actually drew the issue uh, where he we find out more about his origin and that Eobard was uh, included. So that's certainly a retcon in the sense of like what you and Jeff had done. How how do you feel about that? Um, uh, you know, the change to your character.
2: Uh, I did not mind it, actually. Yeah, Joshua was a little bit nervous when um, <laughs> he told me that he wanted me to do a reverse or a Zoom story, and I said, reverse flash with thought. I said, mm-hmm. okay, cool. I'm all in. That's fine. All right, tell me what the story is. And, he, and then he was really hesitant at first uh, that he wanted to reveal the whole gun fingerprint thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but I did not have a problem with it. I haven't talked to it over with Jeff. I don't know if it disturbs or bothers Jeff. I know some fans have never read Con- mm-hmm. I think it's just an added wrinkle in there to, I don't think it does any disservice to the original story. I think all of the stuff that Jeff wrote in the story is still valid, even when Joshua wrote. Joshua just added an extra wrinkle invalid. valid. So I was good with it. Um, and to me, that's so much about what you basically have to do as a writer. You know jeff would have to, for any of these guys for let any of this stuff he had to take what was kind of there about their origins or background stuff and wrinkle turn and twist this so that there was something for new readers to jump on as well as uh, uh who had read all that stuff before or had heard of or whatever it was i don't think all of captain cold's origin was there about his sister i'm guessing if it was hinted yeah. But uh, but then the way that we played it out, um, I don't think was really... I know it was ever done. I was never shown any reference of the abusive father and then living in a trailer home. And stuff. It was just described to me.
0: Yeah, it's, it's always been stuff that's kind of been, like, hinted at in a way of him having a weird relationship with his sister and obviously having parental issues. But, yeah, you guys definitely uh, added that in. And, I mean, my whole view on changes, and, like, the Hunter change is, like, still something that I feel like I'm digesting because it's just, like you know, obviously Blitz means so much to me, and seeing this is like, okay, that definitely changes things. But, you know, as long as it enhances the plot, which it did, you know, obviously it changes Hunter's reasoning for being a hero or being a villain, and, um, you know, it, it enhances the plot. So, you know, I'm open to the change in a sense, and that's that's cool to hear that the creator, you know, obviously that was uh, your project, uh, that you're okay with it, and I'd love to hear Jeff's thoughts on it. I, I wonder, you know, how he feels about that. Um, but, th- but that's interesting that, you know, um josh was kind of like uh skating on thin ice about that about like asking <laughs> you about that you yeah. yeah
2: No, one of the <clears throat> really nice things of working with joshua on uh, those issues that i worked on is that we met at a sort of in the middle of us working that's definitely um he was super nice uh, i mean you know it was one of those flattering details where he was a fan of the run that jeff and i had had on the book so there were different points in time that he definitely. Sure that uh, he wanted to shoot for some of the same goals that we had, to do some of the same carry on mission like that heat wave or even the trickster story where it was basically he told me flat out that he wanted to replicate um, Jeff had started those uh, rogue um, secret files kind of stories those one shots or whatever that explained more of their background and created a modern. So I think it's just one of those where it worked really well that he wanted to continue. He's very much, I think, in the same mold. He wants to continue on with brand new stories, twist and turn, uh, play with things and see what new. But at the same time, he doesn't want to throw anything. He doesn't want to make some of the things invalidated or you know, poo-poo whether weren't good enough or whatever.
0: Yeah, he's not trying to retcon. He's,
2: he's very much a good professional.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, they call back to Blitz with the, uh, when, when I, I think it was in um, maybe the Flash War prelude that you did, where that was, like, your first issue back on Rebirth, where, in Flash Rebirth, where uh, it had, like, the yellow background, like, Hunter's Origin did. Like, I thought that mm. was really sick, and I thought that was, like, a cool, like, uh, throwback to, you know, uh, Blitz, and, you know, I got, like, little chills from just seeing that, like, yellow Origin uh, color.
2: You know what's funny about that is that um, I didn't even think of that for those pages when I started them and that kind mm. of flashback stuff. Um, that was the colorist, uh, Lewis. Oh. Um, he was really genius on all that fell thing. In fact, it caught DC completely off guard. They showed uh. me the first pages, and they are like, we don't really understand the color scheme or why he's doing this or whatever. <laughs> and then I opened the file and looked at the pages and I went, oh, yeah, with it. oh, that's what he's doing. <laughs> that's excellent. So I explained it to them of what he was doing and he was calling back to those blitz colors which again should give credit to our colors back at that time Jane and Claire. He was mm-hmm. the one who came up with that thing. Um he knew it was all flashback and that we were doing this thing, but he was the one who then showed me at the time. He goes, What if I did this really warm yellowish scheme that would be then echoing the idea of Zoom's costume. No, oh, I, I see. Yeah. So yeah, that's like my that's
0: blitz, like my favorite blitz, thing about one ninety seven. I mean it's such a great issue, but like the uh the kind of, like, Hunter memory of when he's frozen in time. I feel like the yellow actually fits well with that, of, like, he's frozen in time, and viewing his story like that, it feels like you're viewing it through a lens. So uh that, that's, like, definitely an interesting way to tell the story. That, that's cool yeah. that, like, you know, colors who don't often get some of the credits they deserve, uh, That uh you know, that they added so much to that book. That's pretty cool. Gives a feel to the story, yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, what's funny is I don't even think James, at least when he mentioned to me at the time for the one. He didn't say so much that it was the echo of, but what was referred to, Jeff's script, uh, which I would forward to, he got to color the book,
1: uh, mm-hmm.
2: was that there was there was stuff going on in there where, Hunter was thirsty and it was always so warm. Yeah, trying to figure out what was going on because he didn't realize he was uh, moving so fast. That was the reason he told me of why he picked that colors was that he wanted the book itself, pages themselves to just feel warm and uncomfortable, and all that kind of thing. Oh, wow, okay. that's really cool. That's a great idea. That is yeah, that, great that, idea. That, that's awesome. I'd, I'd
0: love to read that uh, Jeff Johns uh, Blitz script. That's that's extremely cool. Kind of fits with what Hunter
1: is feeling at the time. I like that.
2: Um, speaking yeah, with... And that's one of the things. That's why we had such a magic time on that book, that we really had a whole cast colorist, colorists and everybody, even the letter at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gaspar Sella Legendary letterer. Um, he and I would talk on the phone after the book started, um, and he loved what was going on. I loved what he was doing, and I loved that it was the original stuff. He was lettering on the board, um, all that other kind of stuff, and and I worked with him on a lot of those things. A lot of the title page things that were going on. Mm-hmm. I would actually give him a rough idea of what would fit or what would be really cool for the title, um, and a lot of those uh, Blood Run, all those initial. And then he thought that was so cool that I was involved with the lettering and full of it, and making it part of the artwork and the page. Um, and that's what you need for these books, for the whole team to work together. That's the only way It's you, as far as I'm it those really cool books that inspire you, hopefully can live on. For sure. And be something that people want to.
0: Yeah
1: speaking of characters returning uh your current work with shazam has superboy prime returning that you're doing the art for can you tell us a little right. bit about bringing him back
2: uh i actually know very little about that uh, <laughs> okay. you know, it's a character that jeff uh loves and enjoys but uh the weird thing about working with jeff right now is he's so busy they're so crazy that i will often nowadays get uh certain pages here and certain pages there of the script, or he'll describe them to me over the phone. I've got to write notes. What's uh, And that was a complete surprise. Uh, he told me that there was going to be the scene going on I was going to have to devise or, or create the visual in the castle
0: mm-hmm.
2: where I knew then the. Were they? The like monster the society of villains. Um, yeah, in the monster. I I was going to have to draw monster them, right. Um, but then all of a sudden he throws in the, this page and he's like, oh yeah. And here's this thing over there. And the door is going to have an S on it and inside is a naked Superboy Prime, and all <laughs> angry, vowing for revenge. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I know Jeff, I didn't know how this works. And then I'm like, okay, well then that's part of, it. he's got some reason that he. It's something to add texture or twist. That's going to be important to the story, all that kind of stuff. One of the things that Jeff and I talked about from the beginning really vibed well together on was like we wanted no fat in our stories at all. There was no extra trimming, no waste.
1: Mm-hmm. If
2: it was in there, it was in there for a reason. No filler. We to next month yeah. or six months or somewhere down the line. But it was in there for a, a very specific reason. And Jeff is just uh, one of those guys has taken that idea or uh, writing. The end degree, he'll he'll definitely be one of those right now who'll put something in issue one of some, and by issue twelve, then you. Oh man, that's why.
0: <laughs> I, I I always thought that with the uh, with the secret the first appearance of Hunter, which I believe is the Secret Origins and Files number three or something like that. Um, on his cane, you have that word. It's like something like that. That means like he'll be paralyzed one day, and obviously when you're reading that issue, you know you're not thinking about that. Um, I think it says, uh, oh, it says Gant on it, on his cane. And uh, there's um, in the Flash and Superman DC first issue, uh, Abracadabra says like, oh, we'll see about your future. So, you know, you get that little foreshadowing, you know, 20, 30 issues before there. And it's just like, oh, my God, like you guys were really planning long term.
2: Oh, yeah. And putting in a little tidbits, too. uh, Did you notice the top of his cane from the first time he appeared? Had a big Z on.
0: Oh, Oh, I never even caught that. Zoom.
2: (laughs) Yeah. There's a big Z on the end of his cane for Zoom.
0: Wow. Interesting. <laughs> that's
2: really
1: cool.
0: Yeah, that's uh yeah, I, I, I love and that work that you when, and Jeff do
2: When you find that team that works together so well and stuff, uh it just leads to more and more, you know, possibility. The deeper you can go into it, the more texture and everything you grab. If you've got somebody starting the team like Jeff, giving all that kind of stuff to the book, inspire
0: add that much more and work yeah that's very interesting i I think uh, the way you and jeff work is definitely a huge inspiration to hunter and i because you know obviously we'd love to do create our own comics one day and you know we've we've talked about ideas so just to see like a team that is able to work like it seems like you and jeff are able to talk in shorthand to each other and know exactly what the other one's going for so that's like I de- you're definitely like a huge inspiration to us, and I, I really appreciate that.
1: Yeah, because yeah, JD's a writer here, and I'm trying to be a comic book artist as well. So it is inspiration to us since so you guys have been a team for like 20 years here, and today you're still doing Shazam. So it's awesome to hear that.
2: Absolutely, and again, um, it's one of those things that started from those days on Stars and Stripe, where one of the things we talked about at that San Diego phase, um, he explained to me. Uh, This was where he knew first, actually, how well we worked together. Um, (laughs) He explained to me, and I don't remember the exact um, or or what it was, but um, in one of those first there's a scene where Courtney's father comes into the book later, but we're seeing him at a station or a bus and he's holding a picture of Courtney. Mm -hmm, Um, And again, I'm going to mix up maybe some of them, but um, what I wound up drawing was a picture of Courtney, but it was inside a locket. Ah. Uh-huh. When I met Jeff at San Diego, he came up to me and practically wanted to give me a hug and everything. What's going on? And he's like, no, <laughs> but you did that panel. This thing, it was exactly right. It was exactly what I wanted. And I'm like, well, yeah, you told me what you wanted, so I drew it. He goes, no, I did not write the word locket. You drew the <laughs> locket, and I didn't mention it. You knew what I was thinking. <laughs>
0: That's great. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so it was just like Kismet that we started working continuing, And I think we're nearing the end of our time, so I will leave you with this tea. Uh, hopefully, crossed, whatever, knock on wood, all we need to. Uh, Jeff and I are talking about another project right now, Ooh. at least a mini series. Uh, it might be, um, but if it comes to pass, this will be something we've had uh, an idea for in the works since day two this will make a lot of people very including us
0: I mean, if it's if it's anything like your uh, your beer run story, like I, I think in that interview you guys said, like, oh, we'd be able to do a Captain Cold ongoing easy. Like, if it's something like that, <laughs> take my money right now. I will buy every issue. I'll buy every variant. I'll buy every trade. I will buy all of it because that is my absolute dream, um, <laughs> Scott. That, that's a great tease, and uh, I just want to thank you so much for appearing yeah. on the podcast. It's really been a pleasure to talk to you over the last hour, and uh, you're you're definitely like a you know a hero to us when it comes to the comic industry. You and Jeff. So thank you so much. Thank you so much.
2: Awesome. Thank you. Uh, I had a great time with it. And I don't know. Hopefully, I'll actually get to meet you guys face to face at a concert. Oh, that, that would absolutely. be amazing.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. If you're at New York Comic Con one of these days, I'm sure. Maybe meet JD, and I will be there.
0: That'd be That's great. Awesome.
2: I need to make it out to New York. Again. Yeah, absolutely.
0: That'd be great. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much, Scott. Thanks, Scott.
2: All right. Cool. Thanks, guys.
0: So that was our interview with Collins, comic book artist. Uh, it was a big thanks to Scott for coming in on the show. And uh, if you enjoyed this episode, maybe check out our podcast. Uh, I'm sure some, for some of you, this is your first episode listening to us. We make podcasts weekly about comic books of all kinds. Uh, we've had guests on before, such as Joshua Williamson and Scott Lipdell. If you want to check those old episodes out, they're episodes number 18. And I want to say 56 or 57, say-
1: but... That, <laughs> yeah, that, that, kind that, of right.
0: they're highlighted in our SoundCloud so you can find them very easily if you want to check out our past interviews and uh, like I said if you want to uh, check us out we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify and SoundCloud all you got to do is search a Hero Story but you're on it right now so obviously you know how to get here um, and we appreciate <laughs> a follow and subscribe and if you really enjoyed this episode maybe uh, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts uh, the ratings do help with uh, us getting up on the boards and getting more recognition for our podcast so uh, yeah thank you for checking it out
1: Yeah, we're on the road to 100 episodes this year, probably. We're going to hit there. We're getting close. (laughs) Yep. we usually review comics every week, but since comics are kind of being delayed here and there during these times, we're going to try to have a few more interviews on, such as Scott Collins, like we just did. So bear with us here. We have a lot of plans for a hero story, and thank you for joining us.
0: Yeah, and uh, for a hero story, I'm JD. And
1: I'm Hunter, and thanks for being a hero.
0: And remember, every second is a gift. Goodbye.
1: Bye.